fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. Around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hello, and you are very welcome back to the podcast. Here's what we got in store for you this week. If you are interested in finding out tactics, techniques, ways of getting better at dealing with customers, getting better at supporting customers on the front line and, and creating those relationships, then I, w- I would hope that Help Desk Habits is for you. That's Mark Copeman, and as part of Authors Month, which is running throughout January, he's joining me later on in the show to talk about the books that he's written to help you as an MSP. In fact, he's got a new book coming out later on this year. We're also going to be talking about the most amazing tool that you can use to bond your clients to you for the next 5, 10, 15 years. They're called Technology Roadmaps, and I'll tell you about them later on in the show. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. I know we're a few weeks into 2023 now, but we have been going back through the basics as part of a couple of series. And in this first part of the show, we are doing the ultimate MSP marketing strategy. It's the final part this week. So two weeks ago, we talked about the first part, which was the the first of the three-step strategy I recommend. That is to build multiple audiences. And then last week, we talked about building a relationship with those audiences. Please go back and review those two episodes if you haven't watched them yet, because the third part this week is about commercializing those relationships. So if you have followed my advice from last week, you've built some people to listen to you and you've built a a light relationship with them through great content marketing. The final step then is commercializing it. You see, doing all this marketing, we don't just do it for fun. We do it because it grows our business. Because all of us have things that we want, a lifestyle we want to lead, things we want to do with our time. We need a certain amount of income to do that. And we also just want to succeed. We want more resources, more techs. We all just want more from our businesses. So that means our marketing has got to deliver. This final stage is all about taking all of the work that you've done in the first two stages and turning it into money. You see, people only buy when they are ready to buy. This is a core marketing problem that you have to understand or you'll never get any traction with it. People only buy when they are ready to buy. And the job that you've got is to be there in front of them at exactly that moment. Now, that's one of the reasons why we build these audiences and why we build the relationship with them, because we want people to remember you at that point they're ready to buy. The reality is most people don't because they just, well, put it like this, people don't remember, there's too much information, there's too much in our brains, there's too much noise, we just don't remember things. We can bookmark stuff, we can keep printed stuff, we can have a little mental note or write it down, but you know, if, if someone sees your stuff today but isn't ready to buy for six months, the chances of them remembering you are, are really quite low. So what we can do instead is we can stack the odds in our favor. And this is done through making phone calls to prospects. Now, I'm not suggesting that we do cold calls. I know we've had guests on this show talking about cold calls. And personally, I'm not a big fan of cold calling. Some of my guests have recommended it. That's fine. I think if you if you choose to go down that route, that's your choice. Me, I prefer slightly warm calls. So for example, if you were to phone, no, not you, I'm going to tell you who's going to do this in a second. But if someone was to phone up your LinkedIn connections, 
or to phone up the people who are in your email database, or to phone up the people you send out a printed newsletter to. That would be a very smart thing to do. The question is, who's going to phone them? What are they going to say? And how are they going to sell the business? Well, here's the secret. With this phone call, we're not looking to do any selling. No selling at all. And that's kind of cool, because that means we can hire someone to do this who A, can't sell, B, hasn't been trained to sell, doesn't know how to sell, C, doesn't really know about technology, and D, doesn't know anything about your business. You can teach them a little bit about technology and a little bit about business just through a few conversations, but we don't want a hardcore salesperson. What we want is a relationship builder who is good at spotting timed opportunities. Now, the best kind of person for this, I believe, is a back-to-work mom. So for your phone person, you shake your the network of the important female in your life. Or if you are an important female, you shake your own network. These back-to-work mums do tend to know other back-to-work mums. You shake that network through Facebook or just through personal connections. Somewhere out there, there is a back-to-work mum. So she had a pretty good career before she had some kids. Now those kids have gone to school. Maybe her confidence isn't quite as high as it was. Maybe she doesn't want to return to her previous job because it's not flexible enough or it's not fun anymore. There are lots of different reasons why. But what you're offering her is the chance to work two to three days a week, two to three hours a day doing work that matters. She can come into the office to do it if she wants to hang out with other adults. Uh, sometimes that's that's a primary driver. Or she can work from home and she can work flexible hours around the kids being at school. Little Johnny's got a cold tomorrow, doesn't go to school. It's no problem. You just take the day off. Can you see how that kind of flexible job, that flexible arrangement is very, very desirable for some people? So you potentially can get a back to work mum who's got an enormous skill set, but you can pay them a lot less than you would pay them if you hired them for the skill set, the skill set that they used to have in their old job. What you want from them primarily is their ability to communicate well on the phone. Essentially, you want someone who loves being on the phone and their idea of fun is just picking up the phone, dialing numbers and chatting to people about their favorite subject, which is of course themselves and their business. This is the perfect gig for someone, for some back to work mum. And that's what they're doing. They're literally phoning your audiences and they're asking open questions. They're asking about people's businesses. How's, how's it going right now? You know, you could take the seasonality. So for example, at this time of year, you might say, hey, I know it was a few weeks ago. Did you have a good Christmas? Have you got really good plans for this year? I mean, th there's a line. You can't go too quickly into, tell me about your plans for the business. You know, that, that the people kind of have a guard up and, until you started to build a little bit of a relationship. But essentially, you get them talking about their business. And then at some point, your phone mom may ask them this question. Hey, do you guys have an IT support company right now? Um, I don't advise you say technology company, by the way. So we talk about being technology partners, but to ordinary people out there, we're still IT support companies. Obviously, they don't know what an MSP is, but it's it's still IT support in their head. If you say to them, do you have a technology company? That's, that's actually a slightly confusing question for them today. It might not be in the years ahead. So your back to work mum might say, hey, do you guys have a, a, an IT support company you work with? And they let's say they say yes. And your back to work mum would then ask them this qualifying question. And this is a cracker. On a scale of one to 10, where one is appalling and 10 is world-class, how would you rank your current IT support company? Now, if they give an answer of 10, 9, or 8, 
they're happy. In fact, that, that's the answer you would want your clients to give out to, in response to that question. So your back to work mum can, uh, you know, end the conversation, thank them very much and give them a call in a year's time, see if anything has changed. But there's not an opportunity there. So if they answer seven, six or five, there's an opportunity coming up. And in fact, if, it, if it's more down at the five level, that's a low score. Uh, if it's four or below, then there's an immediate opportunity because essentially that's that's a level of dissatisfaction that's so low it needs to be jumped on. So if they answer seven or below, your back to work mum can say something like, "Oh, that's a that's a really low score." I mean, normally when I ask people that question, the, the score is much higher. Can you tell me why you've given them that lower score? This is the the perfect follow up question. Can you tell me why you've given them that lower score? And then the person that they're speaking to, you're back to what we're speaking to, this prospect will then, if all is well, they will tell you something that their current MSP is doing wrong. Now, what's really important is that your phone mom writes this down and passes this information to you because you can use that. Let's say, for example, they say, oh, they're just so slow. Like we we call them and they never call us back. And it's just, you know, just getting hold of them to tell them about problems takes ages. If you knew that, in a sales meeting four or five weeks later, if you knew that that was their primary problem with their incumbent, wouldn't you, without actually saying, hey, hey, I know your problem is this, wouldn't you use that in some way? So for example, you would say, oh, by the way, we guarantee what we do, our guarantee, in fact, these are our SLAs. I don't like SLAs, but SLAs have a value when your incumbent that you're up against has no ability to meet SLAs. Does that make sense? So the phone mum asks them, uh, what what you know what they're unhappy about with their incumbent and then she moves for a close now remember she's she can't sell she can't sell technology she can't quote it you can't close someone on the phone anyway what she does is she says look uh, are you is your contract up at any point in the next 12 months or when you, when's your contract up let's say it's 3 4 months away she says look um i think it would be worth you having just a 15 minute conversation with you. He's our technology strategist and the owner of the business. And he can just, you know, advise you, just ask you a few questions and advise you on some technology stuff that I can't because I'm not a technology person. Uh, And then she can use the either or close. The either or is this, where she can say, so look, Dave's available uh, either on Monday afternoon or Wednesday morning, just for a 15 minute video call, which will be better for you, Monday afternoon or Wednesday morning? That's the either or. So phone mom books you a 15 minute video call with you. Now you may only get, she she could spend the week, weeks and weeks phoning people and she might only get one of these a week. But wouldn't you just be delighted to have that video meeting, right? That's probably more than you, or that might be more than you're doing right now. Even just one meeting a week. And we're talking here about qualified prospects. They're qualified because we know they've got an IT support company. We know that they're unhappy with them. You may even have asked, or she may have asked on your behalf, how many staff they've got or how many computers. This is a really good prospect. And you know it will go well, or it has gone well, if the 15 minute meeting actually lasts 30 to 45 minutes. That's when you know things are very much going your way. And this is hallelujah moment, it really is. Because your job on that video call is to book yourself a proper sales meeting with them. Most MSPs I speak to say, look, if you can get me in front of a prospect, I will close the sale seven or eight times out of 10. Most MSPs say that. That's great. That's what we've just delivered here. We've just delivered you a meeting with a prospect. 
and that is pretty much it. Now, there are other things that you can do, which we will cover off in future episodes of the podcast. In fact, we've talked about them in the past. Go and look up things like impact boxes and good sales proposals. But I think for now, we'll stop there because you now have the three steps of the ultimate MSP marketing strategy. Oh, and by the way, if you have any questions on this at all, uh, you can just drop me an email. It's the real me at the other end, and I will reply to you. I reply to every single comment I get about this show. Just email me, hello at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. Here's this week's clever idea. That's one series finished, and let's finish a second series now, because in this part of the show, we've been talking in the last couple of weeks about how to sell more to your existing clients. So two weeks ago, we talked about the profit matrix. Last week, we talked about strategic reviews. I have one final tool that makes these three perfect, and it is technology roadmaps. Now, a technology roadmap is actually directly linked into the strategic review. In fact, it would be pretty tough pretty hard to do a technology roadmap unless you've done strategic reviews because you take the answers from strategic reviews and you flow those into a technology roadmap, which is literally a roadmap for them of their future technology, what they're going to invest in, what they're going to change, what the plan is. And the software that you can use to create these, a lot of the the VCIO software is pretty good at that. Or you could just put something together yourself in PowerPoint or Word. We give a template to our MSP Marketing Edge members just to make it easy. But the goal here is to produce a, a plan as far into the future as you dare look. That might be 12 months, probably more three years, maybe even five years. And based on your strategic review and what you talked about, you lay out for them where you think their technology should go, what kind of changes they should make and where they need to invest in their business. And then you get essentially a sign off from the client. And obviously there's no commitment, there's no real commitment from them, but it's more an emotional sign off that they're looking at this and saying, yeah, this is a good plan. This is what we're planning to do over the next three years, five years whatsoever. Now, there are many, many advantages of a technology roadmap. The biggest advantage is you are locking your client in emotionally. I said to you right at the beginning of the podcast that this tool is a retention tool that keeps them for 5, 10, 15 years. They won't want to leave you. They would rather sell their children than leave you because you are literally their strategic IT planning partner. You are laying out everything that they're going to do in the years ahead. And they will perceive, not just in the noggin, but more importantly, in their heart, in their emotions, they will perceive that if you go, you take away their technology plans. Even though they'd got the document, a document is just a formalization of what's in your head, of your ability to deliver a technology strategy. They will be more satisfied. They will feel that you're operating at a higher level. They won't mind when the prices go up and the retention will go through the roof. Unless, of course, they go bust, they get sold, or you make a massive technology screw up. And we all know that sometimes you lose clients over those, whether it's your fault or not. It's just the way it goes. But the technology roadmap, you don't overthink it. It's simply your ability of laying out what their future technology plan should be. I forgot one of the other benefits, you know, a benefit for them is that they can plan future cash flow spend. 
So if they know, for example, in 12 months time, they're getting rid of their servers, they're transitioning over to the cloud, and that's gonna cost $5,000 for the project, then they can make sure they budget that $5,000, which makes it, well, also you can actually schedule that time in as well. If you know you've got a, a, a project, a transition project uh, coming up in 12 months time, it's in your diary, you can make sure you've got enough technical resource to implement that. So those are the three ways to upsell your clients. The profit matrix, the strategic, the review, and the technology roadmap, the three of them, they work together to help you generate more revenue from your existing clients while making your retention better than it's ever been. Paul's, Paul's blatant plug. So look, if you love this podcast and you love reading stuff on my website or maybe even watching stuff on YouTube, then why not invest in this? It's the MSP Marketing Action Monthly. It's my brand new printed newsletter, which we now ship out to MSPs all around the world. So yes, it's a physical print newsletter. We give you digital copies as well and the most insane bundle of bonuses that you will ever see. Best part is you don't even have to spend any money you can do a 30-day trial of this brand new MSP Marketing Action Monthly. All you have to do is go to paulgreensmspmarketing.com slash action. Go and have a look now. paulgreensmspmarketing.com slash action. The big, big, big interview. Hi there, Paul. My name is Mark Copeman. Uh, I'm the author of two books currently, uh, Help Desk Habits and MSP Secrets Revealed. And uh, on top of that, I've been in the channel for the last, uh, what, 12 years or so. I love every moment of it. I think the IT industry is a fabulous place to be. Yes, it is. And it's what's particularly fabulous about it is meeting people like you, Mark. And I'm uh, genuinely delighted to have become friends with you over the last couple of years because I needed a few more friends. And also uh, to be able to invite you back onto this podcast. You have featured before, but you're back here as part of Authors Month. So we have had some epic authors as part of this special series of guest interviews. And I did want to make sure that we got an MSP specific author in there as well. So you've written a couple of books. Books. And let's let's focus in first of all on help desk habits because I think I'm right in saying that was your first book. What was the kind of the big message of help desk habits? Uh, yes, it was, and I'm not sure you should really be including me on an epic list, but I'll, I'll go with an okay list. I'm I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, and, and like everybody, so many people say to you, "Oh, I want to write a book. Oh, I really w wish I could write a book," and so on. Uh, and when I exited uh, my SaaS business customer thermometer in uh, 2018, I kind of swung back in this very chair and I thought, I don't really know what to do next. I didn't have a plan. And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I should write the book that I've always wanted to write. And so this was born out of the previous, uh, what, five years or so of working with hundreds of MSPs around the world on their CSAT, on their customer service, on their customer experience. And I saw lots of common issues and thought I should address them. And so I, I decided to, uh, to become that sort of first time author. Uh, I actually, I loved the process for the, for the most part uh, until you got through to the sort of like the third edit at the end. And then I thought the thing was terrible. However, um, three plus years on, it continues to sell every day and it blows my mind. So it's, uh, it's a proud moment. It's a lovely moment to receive your first proof through the post. I'll never forget that. 
Yes, I bet it is. And just just let us. I've been asking some of our, our author guests to, to give us the behind the scenes of what it's like to be an author. You sell a, a copy or a couple of copies of Help Desk Habits every day. I'm guessing it's it's like a. I mean, I've got a copy somewhere in my bookshelves here, but I'm guessing it's about ten ten pounds, twelve pounds on the cover price. How much of that? Once Amazon's have its share and uh, and the publisher, if there's a publisher, have had their share. How much of that actually gets to you? Yeah, and, and you're making a presumption it's only two copies a day, Paul. You know, some days it's way, it's actually genuinely way more than that, and I can't believe it. Uh, every day is different. Uh, from memory, um, uh, I I think I earn about three or four pounds per book, something along those lines. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know if you want to get into the whole Amazon uh, direct publishing thing, uh, but it, it, it's a tremendous way for people to, you know, like me, who was never ever going to get hold of a publisher in a sensible fashion. Uh, to put something out to the world in a very, very easy way. Oh, yeah. I mean, Amazon, we, we won't go down that route, but Amazon has completely democratised um, um, niche publishing because that's, that's what we're talking about here is, is very niche publishing. And, and clearly selling three copies a day is, uh, is, is a very big thing. Uh, that was sarcasm there, <laughs> so I apologise for that. So um, what's the, the – obviously, Help Disc Habits was, was where you got started. You, I know you have an enormous amount to talk about and, and when it comes to, to habits. Who, who should read Help Disc Habits? Is it for uh, service delivery managers? Is it for technicians? What level of technicians? Is it for the owners? Is it for, is it for everyone? Uh, prob- I hate saying this, but probably all of the above. Um, and I, I, I know that because that there's an online program off the back of that, because guess what? You don't get rich being uh, a, an author, a self-published author. So the book actually formed the basis for the online program. And I know from that uh, that people right across MSP businesses, all ac- across all the functions have been through that program. And I, you know, I, we joke about the three copies a day. Uh, somebody, or 25 copies were bought on um, a couple of days ago as we sit here and record this. And I, I'll never know, but I have a suspicion that somebody bought those 25 copies to give to everybody in the office because I know that that's happened before. So yeah, if you, if you are interested in finding out uh, ha- tactics, techniques, ways of uh, getting better at dealing with customers, getting better at, at supporting customers on the front line and, and creating those relationships, uh, then I, w- I would hope that Help Desk Habits is for you. And I guess the thing I would tack on to that, I, I brought this habits word in because I've seen over the years, you know, you, you pick up on, on tactics and so on, and, and very, very quickly you revert back to the stuff you've always done. And there's some physiological reasons for that, which I absolutely won't bore you with now unless you ask me about them. So I thought, let's bring in the habits element so that, you know, there is a chance, therefore, people take on a particular uh, tactic or, or something that I suggest, there's 50 in the book, uh, that there's a chance that that will stick over time uh, by the use of habits and you know, sort of overlaying that. Uh, across all the different uh, tactics and techniques which I talk about. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great observation. I'm sure, Mark, that you've read Atomic Habits, which is a great book by James Clear. Um, Absolutely. And James was too busy to come on uh, on, on to Walker's Month, so maybe, <laughs> maybe sent, we'll get him on. He sent me instead, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he'll uh, maybe he'll be here for next year's. But some of the things that and, and for every MSP listening watching this, Atomic Habits is a must read or a, or a must listen. The other one I throw in though, along those lines is Charles Duhigg, uh, The Power of Habits, as well, yes. which is the first one I read. And some of the studies into uh, it's a lot of this research, I guess, is only about 30, 40 years old. That's that's when they sort of discovered the stuff that's going on inside the brain. And he describes all sorts of different. 
sort of psychological experiments and, and observations that, that he's done his research around. It's absolutely fascinating. So yeah, that's what really got me into it. Yeah, no, it is. It's, a, it's an utterly fascinating area, particularly where they're looking at leveraging how we actually work as opposed to how people thought the brain worked in, in a lot of the productivity advice of, of, of yesteryear, as it were. Right, so let's move on to your second book. So you, what, what drove you to want to pull together uh, what, what became now the first volume of MSP Secrets Revealed? I guess my love of the collaboration that goes on in our industry. Having come from a marketing background, if you had a, a, a vendor or sorry, a customer asking two agencies to work together, both sides would sort of nod politely and then laugh behind the scenes. It's so different in our industry. And I, you know, I see competitors collaborating in the same town or, or, or city. And, and I think it's a wonderful thing. And that is what inspired me really to, to write the book. I've always, always loved listening to people talking about their war stories, you know, explaining how they do things, uh, which I guess is where the, the secrets word came from. And I thought, wouldn't it be brilliant to, to go out to the industry? You know, it's cheating a little bit because I didn't actually write every single word. Uh, but let me tell you, it's not straightforward curating either. So it's a combination of, of, of um, I think it's about 85 different IT professionals words uh, coupled with with a sprinkling of my words around the edge and some and some editing as well. Obviously, I didn't need to edit your secret, Paul, because it was absolutely perfect. Ah, get out, get out. Um, as a as a, um, a former professional journalist myself, it was it was how I made my living for thirteen years. I completely agree with you. It's it's harder to edit other people's work than it is to you know to create your own work. So I think with with MSP Secrets Revealed, you probably made your life hard there. Um, but it was such a such an original book. Uh, did that was that twenty twenty? Yeah, it was it was just as the as the pandemic was starting actually. Um, and uh, I, you know, I thought it would take me maybe three months to to pull pull together a hundred odd secrets, and uh, it took me closer to nine, I think, and then another four months to edit and write and all the rest of it. So it was it was way later than I thought. It didn't matter, uh, and it was it was quite. Uh, it was quite therapeutic, I suppose, to release it at that very, very difficult time for the world. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, out it went. And, and as, a, as a result, everybody that actually submitted a secret, I sent them a copy of the book and, and said thank you. I, I signed it as well. So, unfortunately, the value went down a little. Uh, but uh, nobody seemed to mind about that. So, no, it was um, <laughs> you've got your copy there. Look at that. There we go. I have. I have. And, and I'll let you into a secret, which I don't think I've told you before. Um, which is um, this this book MSP Secrets Revealed um, is is it doesn't only well the reason it has a, a, a little place on my desk is because if I'm stuck for something to talk about in the podcast or if I've got to write some content for my website and I don't know what to talk about I dip into this and there's there's actually there's three or four um, books uh, all MSP books uh, we've got Jennifer Bleem's book there uh, we've got Nigel Moore's book yeah. and then there's your book um, so thank you so you're actually went because even even prolific content producers such as myself have days where we sit there with our head in our hands and we're thinking what what am I going to write about and the answer is always to be inspired by other people and in fact this is why I'm so excited because I've, I've nearly used all of your book now and uh, I'm so excited that you have a second edition so I believe that as, as we're sitting here now at the start of 2023 do you know how many months you are away from getting this published or are you still sort of stuck in editing hell with that oh look at that there we go for those of you watching on there YouTube that, you can see the exclusive I'm, I'm blue cover it's amazing there's nothing inside at the moment but um it's, it's basically inside. like the, the, the red cover of the first edition, but it's blue. Do you, do you um, how, how far into the process are you, Mark? 
So I've got all my secrets now. I'm in very much editing phase, and um, I I don't know an exact date of release yet, but I I would hope that it will be uh, three years after the first one. So if 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 I shoot for April, I will keep my fingers crossed on that. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to get to number two because obviously, if you're running out of content, Paul, I need to help you out a little bit. So um, hopefully, you uh, and many thousands of others were, will will benefit from. Uh, many other people's advice uh, with a little sprinkling of mine put in there as well. Oh, you're just too kind. You really are. So thank you. And do you think there'll be a third? I, I realise asking an author in the in the middle of production hell on their second book, asking them about the third is is probably the wrong question. But uh, in fact, don't even answer I, that one. I, I don't even answer that one. I don't know. Is is the short answer? I don't know. What's interesting is that um, I there's some a change of themes. Um, you know, when I bear in mind the submissions for the previous one would have been four years previous. Uh, so I, I'm I'm really enjoying the the mergers and acquisitions element to this. I, I I felt that there will be more of that sort of stuff coming through, uh, with the industry so buoyant, you know, so many things going on. I thought it was interesting to get uh, people's experiences in that space as well. So that wasn't part of the first book, uh, and that's absolutely going to be part uh, of the second one. Okay, final question, Mark, and I'm going to ask you to reveal uh, a, a secret, a secret in the soon-to-be-published book. Can you delve into, and I appreciate you may need to go over to a Word document on your computer or something, but can you delve into your submissions, go and grab one for us and give us the edited highlights of one of the secrets that's going to be in your upcoming book? That is massively putting me on the spot because I, <laughs> I need to reach for, for all my bits and pieces. Can, can I can I give you one from the, the from the current one, which is a is a bit of a favourite of mine? Is that going to okay. be acceptable to you? Yeah, go on then. Go on. That means you'll have to come back all onto right. the show next year to uh, to, to talk uh, about the the second there we one. Go. I'll, I'll keep it super brief, and and it's very very hard to choose to choose a favourite. But one of the things I think is so 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 appropriate in in our MSP world is the concept of don't sell commodity. And I, I love that concept. And it, it's all born around the fact that you can buy a cup of coffee for a pound, uh, for a dollar, for you know, five dollars. Uh, and if you actually trawl around the internet, the most expensive cup you'll find is about 100 bucks. And it's essentially the same thing. But what is the difference in value? It's the wrap that is put around the edge. It's the customer experience element. It's the people you're buying it from. It's the location. It's, it's all those things. And I think in our increasingly commoditized industry, a lot of people trying to sell the same things to similar people, having that wrap around the edge and not selling the commodity, but where reminding yourself that people buy from people is such an important part of the equation. So, um, yeah, that's just one off the top of my head uh, from, uh, from episode one, but there's plenty more gems coming in episode two. Okay, Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the show yet again. I know you will be a perennial guest in the years ahead, especially if you do keep publishing these books. I also know that, as you said earlier, that being an author doesn't pay the bills. It's just a very nice thing to do. It's good positioning. It's great to get involved with lots of interesting people. What is your day job? And tell us how we can get in touch with you. Well, aside from my Help Desk Habits program, uh, on the 1st of November uh, 2022, let's date that correctly, uh, really excited to join um, a, a dedicated MSP marketing agency called Wingman MSP Marketing. I've been working with them for the last 12 months or so, and it was an, a natural partnership. So I became a shareholder, a director, and employee of the team. And it's now brilliant because I used to be solo and I'd spent a lot of time advising people and they would tell me it was great advice, Mark, but unfortunately do very little with it. And it was driving me crazy. 
So I needed a team behind me to to actually deliver on the uh, the crazy ideas that I come up with and, and the suggestions that I make for people. So uh, yeah, if you visit uh, wingmanmspmarketing.com, uh, you'll find out all about us and a bit more about me. I even have some nice photos taken of me, Paul. So I look nearly as good as you do, uh, as, but it was there was a lot of uh, Photoshop needed, I'm afraid. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Hi, my name is Brendan Kane, and the book that I'm going to recommend is actually my book. And the reason I'm doing it is because we live in a world where there's over 4 billion content creators on the planet, and it's critical to figure out how to stand out and rise above the noise. So I'd highly recommend checking out Hook Point, How to Stand Out in a Three-Second World. Coming up. Coming up next week. Hi, I'm Graham Alcott, author of How to Be a Productivity Ninja. And I'm coming up on the show next week to talk about busyness and how to create more space and deal with notifications and basically make your MSP much more productive. You know the platform that you're listening to this podcast on right now or indeed watching it, please subscribe. Not only does it help you make sure you never miss an episode, but it helps me to reach more wonderful MSPs like you. And I thank you for it. So as well as our interview with Graham next week, continuing Authors Month, we're also going to be talking about invoicing. I've got a suggested invoice format for you that's going to help retention rather than make your clients think, oh, how much are these guys charging us? We have got a YouTube channel with tons more free content for you. Just go to youtube.com slash MSP marketing and join me next Tuesday. Have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK. For MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP. MSP Marketing Podcast.